Let me see you put them up. Reach the sky, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. I'm Patrick Bedev, your host of ITM, and today I sit down with the Heisman Trophy winner, Eddie George, and we talk a lot about football, life, business, and a little bit of Bo Jackson. Eddie, hey. buddy, thanks for coming out, man, truly. Hey, thanks for it's having me, It's good to have you man. as a guest. Absolutely, glad to be back in Dallas. Yeah, you yeah. know, I look at you, I'm like, I, I was a kid in high school oh, watching you play God. at the Ohio State University, yeah, yeah. seeing you run through people, man. I appreciate it, man. Yes. You're a big boy, too, man. Did you play football? I didn't play. I went in the military. I didn't play football, oh, man. Well, for thank me, you for it was, your uh, service. Yes, anytime. Yes, yes, I know sir. you were also part of a military academy. Yes, sir. In uh, high school, how was that for you? When I was in it, I hated it. I, I didn't. I didn't enjoy. Literally, being, you hated. I, it. I literally hated being there. I was forced there by my mother. Uh, my mother, you know, had had saw me going down a path um, that was going to lead to destructive behavior and really not have a prosperous future. Um, so, you know, the, I, the, my environment was not supporting the words coming out of my mouth or the dreams that I had in my head and my heart. Um, I was uh, a follower more so than a leader. Mm-hmm. And basically, I was a knucklehead and I was going nowhere. At what age was it? I this was is at 13. 15. Oh, 15. 15 okay. years old. And uh, long story short, she sends me to Fort King Military Academy, fight, fight screaming and kicking. It was a seven-hour drive in her uh, 1980 orange T-wing Mustang with the uh, you take the sunroof out mm-hmm. and and I didn't I didn't see but I have to use the bathroom the entire time you know that's it you know, I was I was pissed uh, get down there um, lo and behold I start to realize that man this might just be the place for me because every college recruiter in the country comes through the school from Akron to Alabama to Clemson to 1AA schools, um, Youngstown State. Did you know that at that point? I didn't know. I really didn't know. I kind of did my research. I said, this could be the spot for me. And it was. Um, Didn't have success early when I got down there. But once I began to really yield to the discipline aspects of it Mm -hmm. and fall in line with what the school could do for me and use the resources for my benefit, man, it just took off. It really did. You know, my work ethic picked up, my grades picked up, um, the discipline in terms of being in the, in the barracks, being a, a leader in the barracks. Uh, Are you away from family at this time? Oh, you're yeah. not, you, you're I, I'm, on I'm, your I'm own. In, I'm in the middle of Virginia, bro. You're I'm no. like, between Richmond and Charlottesville, you know, between those two cities, smack dab in the middle is Fork Union. There's no gates, there's no security, there's no dogs. If you leave, it's 100 miles one way and 30 miles the next. Wow. Fines in the morning. How <laughs> often are you seeing family? Um, I see them on Christmas um, and spring, spring break. That's it? That was it. And that's for, and you uh, elected to stay one more year, apparently. Yeah, because I didn't have a place to go. Um, because of my, my, my performance in class, uh, during my early high school years, and let this be a lesson to those kids that you know want to play football in college. I mean, it starts in the ninth grade. You know, colleges look at your GPA at that point, and I was you know getting D's and F's and proud of it and thinking it's funny and cute, thinking oh I'm gonna my football talent's going to surpass all that. It's going to get me into a college. Nah, I didn't uh, have a great SAT score, and I'm really embarrassed to say what it was. 
and my GPA was low, um, and I didn't have a college to go to. I had a partial scholarship offer from uh, Edinburgh in Pennsylvania my senior year. And no disrespect to Edinburgh, I just felt like there was I wanted to do more in college football. Mm. I wanted to accomplish and be the best uh, among the great players in the, in the nation and compete on that level. So I elected to go back uh, for a postgraduate year. And that was elect. You elected to go back. Yeah, I elected to you go elected back. You elected to go back. That's yeah. pretty impressive. So at what point did you know I have the goodies to play in the NFL? What age was it for? I know I talked to Kobe. Kobe's like, at 13 years old, I knew I wanted to be one of the greatest to ever play, to bas- play mm-hmm. basketball. What age were you like, I think I can really play at the next level? Was there any age that you experienced that? Uh, um, I've always desired to play at the next level as a a child growing up in Philadelphia. I always wanted to play in the NFL, but there was levels to it. You know, I I was so infatuated with the college game, the the pageantry, the the traditions, the history. Uh, I grew up loving Penn State. I was a big Joe Pa fan. Uh, They were an independent school at the time, so Mm. they played everybody. Notre Dame, Miami, Michigan, um, you know, uh, Pitt. I mean, it was this, I grew up on those rivalries and those matchups and I wanted nothing more than to go to State College and, and play running back up there. I mean, that was that was my goal and my dream. Um, but uh, uh, I elected to go to Ohio State because they wanted me to play running back over linebacker. I mean, Penn State, Joe probably looked at me as a linebacker. And, you gotta be and, kidding. Oh, me. no question. Seriously. I'm on six three. But did you play line? <laughs> did you play line in high school? Or what did I, you play in I high school? I played running back in high school. I told my coach I'm not playing linebacker because if I play linebacker and show just a just a just the slightest type of potential, I'm never gonna see the offensive side of the football. So back then, I mean listen, running backs back then were just as important or not more important than the quarterback. And that was a revered position. An esteemed position. You play running back mm-hmm. on a team like Chicago, the Chicago Bears, or uh, the San Francisco 49ers, or uh, Eric Dickerson at the Rams, the Raiders. I mean, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, ask those in the name. Yeah. Earl Campbell, you know, with the Houston Oilers, mm-hmm. Tony Dorsett, the name goes on and on. So I, I really wanted to, to tote the rock. Was there a guy you were looking at coming up? Was there somebody that inspired you? Were you uh, I was just Payton? in love with the game. Oh, you just uh, in Walter, love with- Walter Payton was, was the standard growing up in the 80s, without a doubt. I was very familiar with uh, Hugh McElhaney, who played the, the Galloping Ghosts. Um, did all my research on, on Jim Brown, uh, the great Jim Brown. Watched his, watched his tape, O.J. Simpson. I was just a big fan of running backs, period. But... The, the standard, the example, the man was sweetness, period. Sweetness was the sweetness man. Sweetness was the man. At the top. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir, because he would inflict pain on you. Yeah. You know, his thing was hit them before they hit you. You guys got similar quads, though. Your legs, I mean, your <laughs> build is, if yeah. you look at the, I mean, if you look at Peyton, it just doesn't make any sense. He was a gazelle, man. He would explode into you. I mean, he was just, uh, he was just a, a joy to watch. Great athleticism, balance, speed. But what separated him from most mm-hmm. was his tenacity. He, he, he ran with the relentless spirit. As a running back, you have to run from the spirit. It's, yeah. not, it's not, you don't think your way through a game. You don't um, just get, get by, you know, you will yourself to churn out those yards. You will yourself to break tackles. You will yourself to pick up a critical fourth down or a touchdown when you have to happen. You, people know you're going to get the ball, mm. and that's what, that's what you do. 
You know I'm getting it. I know I'm getting it. Now let's see who's going to win. Eddie, what's yeah. the biggest difference? You played high school, you played uh, college, you played NFL. The, what's the difference between the best in high school when you played the best in college and the best in NFL? Biggest difference you noticed? Work ethic. Okay. Your work ethic. How, how you pay attention to your craft on every level. I've seen guys at Fork Union that were freaks of nature. Way off the chart athletes better than me. Fast, stronger, mm -hmm. quicker. So, again, you know, it's paying attention to what's important. And the, the game of football and my education was very important to me. So I had to work hard than, any, than anybody else. I refused to leave the gym without getting every last set in. I would miss meals because I would have to finish up my workout at Fort Union. I wouldn't eat some nights. Just to get your workout in. I had to get every so, single uh, rep in. Eddie, somebody looks at you and they look at your physique and they say, you're a human specimen. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you're, you, know, you come in, you look at this body, you say the way he runs, the way he runs through people, you know, it's insanity. How much of it in your level of getting to the NFL is God-given uh, 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 physique genetics, right? How much of it is that? How much of it is discipline? How much of it is association? How much of it is being a student? How much of it is mental and emotional? If you were to put them together, what would you say it really comes down to? Well, you gotta have the physical attributes, number one. I mean, you, you've gotta have the, the God-given talent. Uh, what separates Hall of Famers, from guys that are good, mm -hmm. again, is the work that you put in. You've, you've got to put in the work. And not just on the field, not just in terms of your body, in terms of your mind. You've got to spend time in the classroom. You've got to spend time breaking down film. You've got to understand, first of all, who you are, what the guys on your defense or offense are doing, are doing and then understanding uh, what the other team is doing and understanding the coordinator as well that you're playing against. The defensive coordinator and what, he, what his tendencies are. Who's so defensive coordinator? The opponent's the defensive opponent's coordinator? Yeah, the, the opponent's defensive coordinator. Excuse so me. you're studying the, def the oh, opponent's absolutely. defensive coordinator? You, you know his personality. You know what he likes to do. You know if he likes to get aggressive when you go into the red zone. You know, he, he, can, he can play a bend but don't break mentality. And, you know, he, then all of a sudden you, you cross that 20-yard line, all hell breaks loose because you're getting a blitz from every, mm -hmm. every, every angle. Or you might get a guy like, you know, uh, Rex Ryan who's going to blitz <laughs> no matter where you're on the field or, or Greg Williams. So uh, it's understanding all of that, you know, and also taking care of your body and, and doing what others aren't willing to do. You know, I took ballet lessons when I was in high school. I remember college. I read an article about yeah. it that you took ballet lessons. Yeah, and it was all, you know, to make me a better all-around athlete. Some of the greatest athletes in the world are on the dance floor and, and ballet. By the way, ballet. Arnold took ballet. Arnold, the uh, bodybuilder, Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Um, he took ballet. Um, Herschel Walker took ballet. Herschel Willie Walker Galt took, took ballet. ballet. Yeah. So some of the greatest athletes of our time have taken up ballet. What did that do for you? Was, is it flexibility? It was is flexibility. It, it was balance. It was training muscles that typically don't have a chance to get strengthened through traditional strength training methods when you're playing football or basketball. Um, to, to take this body, 245-pound body, and move it gracefully across the floor doing demi-plies mm -hmm. and spins and, and having to land gracefully, forcing myself to do that time and time again. When I go on the football field and I have to do a spin, it's, it's going to be second nature. 
So it was cross training for me. It's taking everything that I, I've yeah. applied, immersing myself to really understanding the craft of being, uh, what would you call it? I don't know what I would call okay, it for male. I know ballerina for, for male. Feel, I don't know what it would be for, for male. For, for male yes. ballerina. Yes. <laughs> we'll just say that. I, I really had to lose myself in that and uh, become that. So when I went back on the football field, I would be an enhanced person of myself, a different version of myself. Is yeah. it, you, think, you think a part of that is what helped you last as long as you did? Because, you know, when you look at the stats that you got, are you... Is it is it the one stat was what you're the only running back ever to have seven uh, consecutive is it seven or eight consecutive seasons or three hundred uh, rushing attempts there's a, a per eight. season eight. you're the only running eight seasons to do that I mean mm -hmm. you think a lot of that was due to your training and your ability to no, miss no, and stay healthy it was that it was uh, the blessing of God you know I didn't get, sustain any major injuries I played hurt now I played with a lot of different injuries of course, yeah uh, but um, I think it was because of my training and everything else. Everybody says, well, you, you were worn out and this and that. Nah, nah. I could have played, you know, four or five more years, I think. You retired at 31, I mean. You at 31, yeah. yeah. And, and um, I would have, my, my role would have been different. Um, certainly, I would have been a backup somewhere, but I didn't want that life for me at that particular time. Hmm. And, and I, you know, if I was going to do that role, I would like to have done it in uh, Nashville or with the Tennessee Titans. Who, who, was, uh, uh, who was in your uh, draft? I know first pick was Keyshawn, but who else, uh -huh. who else was in your draft? Because your draft is a stacked draft, Oh, right? 96 was yeah. stupid. You were 14th pick. 14th, Marvin yeah. Harrison, who's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. Terrell, Terrell Owens, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Ray Lewis, Hall of Famer. Jonathan Ogden, Hall of Famer. Uh, Simeon Rice, who's up for the Hall. Uh, Kevin Hardy, Keyshawn was one. Uh, Tim Bianca Pachuca, uh, Terry Glenn, Ricky Dudley were all in there. Um, that's a stacked list Alex of names Molden. right there. Who else am I missing? I mean, that's just to name a few. Yeah. That's just, it was a loaded, loaded draft. Zach Thomas, who was in there? Was in there Zach draft? Thomas, Miami Zach Miami, Thomas? Miami, yeah, yeah, absolutely. How tall was Zach, by the way? Was he 5'8", uh, 5'9"? He, he wasn't a tall guy, right, Zach no, Thomas? No, he was about 5'. Zach was about 5'9", but would knock your head off. Man. So when you, he hits you, did oh, it yeah, look like it. Oh, you know, you'll feel it. He Who was, was the hardest the hitting guy? You got hit by a lot of guys. Who was the hardest? It, listen, everybody asked me that question. Yeah. No one sticks out over the other. I mean, there's certain guys you got to look out for. No question. John Lynch, certainly Ray Lewis. Um, John Lynch, 47. Yes. Tampa, yes. Tampa, yeah. Derek Thomas. On that level, you're going to have a headhunter or two or three on every single team, period. So it's not like, well, you know, this guy is hits harder than next. you can do to avoid? Any, is, is there an you art make to missing? Miss. Yeah, the art oh, yeah, you can, you can over-pursue and make a miss. Or you can, you can set them up as if you're going to you know, make a move and, and run into him, or you can just meet him in the hole. And then Which you did a lot of. That, yeah. was, uh, that was your specialty. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. yeah. Was there a running back? Who was the one running back? I remember he was 6'5", 240, 250, Warren. Was it a Chris Warren? He played for Seattle. Uh, yeah, Chris Warren. Chris yeah, Warren. Yeah, yeah, Chris Warren. He was a big guy, too. He was right? about 6'2". Yeah, Chris Warren was 6'2". He didn't last a long time, though. He, 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 I, don't know, I don't know the numbers on yeah. him, but I think he, he's gotten some uh, some recognition for, I think, four-time Pro Bowler. I think I one point. He was, was, a, he was, he was a, a bad beast. boy yeah. now. Yeah, Chris was. No, no, I give him credit. Played, I remember he played him. Uh, Virginia, right? He was Virginia, I yeah, believe. Yeah, so he was a guy that came, and I'm like, 
this guy's pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, you know, is. at a time where you're like, you know, there's not a lot of exciting things to watch with the team it was a part right. of. Fastest guy you ever played with. Woo. You hear Bo, you hear Dion. Who's the fastest guy you ever saw where you're like, I cannot even believe how fast this guy well, is. Joey uh, Galloway, you know, these guys. JG names. was to me. I mean, hands down, JG. And we had some fast guys on our team. Sean Springs, Terry was fast. Our corners were exceptionally fast. You had guys you never heard of that could run. But Joey, in a 10-yard sprint, would beat everybody by five yards. My everybody f- by five yards. He would beat me by seven. <laughs> that good. Oh, he ran a 4-1, what, 4-1-7, I think. That's insanity. Yeah. That's insanity. Yeah, Joey was, no, was nothing to play with. And right now, at almost 50 years old, he's running a 4-3. 50 years Almost old running 50. a 4-3? I, I think he's going to be 48 this year. So, yeah. You believe the myth that uh, Bo cracked 4-1 like I you? Do. You do believe the myth? I, listen, it's no myth. You look at the man's highlights. If someone told you, like, oh, this guy could break a bat over his head, he can, he can gun somebody from left field and hit him out, get him out at, at third, uh, run up a wall, uh, catch a fly, five flies with one hand, a sharpshooter in terms of rifles. And uh, archery as Archery, well, you'd be like, God, oh, that's, that's bullshit. No, all, all of it's that. yeah. legit. Have you ever Bo had a Jack- chance? Have you ever had a chance to chop it up with Oh, my gosh. I go to Bo Jackson's event every year. Bo and I have really uh, formed a great relationship over the past five years. Fa- five years? Yes. Interesting. Um, he's older than me, played before my mm-hmm. time. Of course, growing up, it was Bo Nose, played with, uh, played Tecmo Bowl, yes. used Bo and destroyed, made a lot of money, destroyed their opponents. And um, I've had a chance to go to his golf tournament um, over the last four or five years. And he's come and done some stuff for me in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. And we just really have developed a wonderful relationship, just hearing the stories and uh, listening to his philosophy, just how he grew up, you know. What's the most unique story you've ever heard about Bo? Or personal experience or a story you've heard where it's like, insane? Um, Yeah, there was a play called, uh, in Oakland, I don't know if it's the correct name for it, Um, but it was called Bo Don't Need No Blocking. It's a play called Bo Don't Need No Blocking. Something along those lines, but he don't need no blocking. So they will call a, they will overload the field right. They will pitch the ball. He'll take two steps to the right and counter back left and score. And whoever was on the edge, corner, defensive back, whomever had to deal with that. That's what he said. I don't need blocking. (laughs) <laughs> He's, Think about I that. Mean, that's insane. And yeah. to jump off a baseball diamond, to jump on the field on Monday Night Football, and to annihilate the Seattle Seahawks on national television, run that 90-yard touchdown, fresh off the, off the baseball diamond, to be in football shape, to do that. Is that the game with Bosworth? Yes. That's, is that the game with Bosworth? Yes, that's the game. That's the end of Bosworth. The, 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 Man, the, the, the it, was, it, was start, it was start of the downfall yeah. of that. But I tell you what, Bo Jack, man, is between him and Dion, probably, uh, that's a tough one. It's prime. Prime's no joke. You know, you know in the NBA, uh, you, you do uh, you play the uh, game of draft, and you pick a player, and I pick a player, and you, mm-hmm. hey, you got first pick, I'll pick MJ. I got second, I'll take LeBron yeah. or Shaq or whoever. If you're putting a team together, you got a draft. Who was your first draft pick, actually? Who do you pick? 
All time. Pick All somebody. Time. Who are you building around as number one? Oh. All time. Running back or just player? You you gotta pick. You gotta pick. Who do you pick? Man, that's a tough one. Um, I gotta go with a quarterback. You gotta go with quarterback. So you're putting that as number one position today. I gotta go with a quarterback. Um, so now you got a handful of choices there. You know? Yeah, you do. I'm leaning toward Peyton Manning because he is so consistent. And I played against Peyton in. Um, there's a lot of guys to pick from. There's Tom Brady. You pick Peyton first over Manning over uh, uh, Brady. Because I don't, I haven't seen Tom out of New England. I've seen Peyton win a Super Bowl in Denver. You see what I'm saying? He won it with a defense, though, he, when he won. He, 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 put he even joked about it himself uh, with the he, SPs. He won it with a defense in Indianapolis. Yeah. But Peyton uh, is so lethal, man. I mean, he's such a chess player on the field. And he, he's so smart. He can manipulate a defense. And... I would, I would, I would start with him. I mean, it's it's, it's a tough choice. Uh, Tom Brady's the ultimate competitor. I mean, the man has six rings for crying out loud, you know. But I mean, this is just splitting hairs. But I, I mean, in terms of arm talent, um, you build ethic, around Manning. Build around Manning. You build around Manning. Yeah. And by the way, the year you won Heisman, wasn't he sixth that year? I think he was sixth because it was his second year. He was yeah. sixth that year when yeah. you won it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here's a guy that went from, like, he's a scientist when it comes to, when you look at him from the outside, you're yeah. thinking, he's got a personality, he's a math guy, prepared, the neck issue, comes back, mm-hmm. interesting. So you would call him the greatest of all time? You I wouldn't put say that. You said, you said, would I, would I, okay. would I got pick? It. Fair enough. The greatest no, fair of enough. all time. That's a different. That's a different, that's a t- completely different. Um, you go on Sweetness, you go on, you go on. Uh, uh, you can go Jim Brown. Oh, you're going to go Jim Brown. Um, I mean, Jim, he could play in any era. And just what he, I mean, he put up the amount of yards. He put up what, 16, over 16,000 uh, in, I think, eight or nine years. And they only played, what, 12 games, I believe. Do you yeah. think that's one of the reasons why he gets the kind of respect he does from the players and a partly what he did for the community and how he was I as an athlete? I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, he was a better lacrosse player than he was a football player. So what does that tell you? Wow. Yeah, that's an urban legend. That's right unbelievable. <laughs> he was a better lacrosse yes, player. Yes, a better lacrosse player than he was a football player. That is insane. So, Eddie, when are you getting the call? When are they going to call you? When are they going to call um, you from when God, hall? When God moves that to happen, man. How important is that for you, for that to become a reality? Um, I'd be lying to say if it wasn't important. Um, I'd be... Uh, greatly honored. I'm ob- 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 obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a lot of guys rooting for you, by the way. A lot of guys rooting well, for I you. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm one to believe if I'm if I'm worthy of being in the Hall of Fame, I'll be in it. And if not, I can still get my sleep at night. You know, I put everything I had into the game. I squeezed everything out of it that I could possibly mm-hmm. imagine. The, the platform has opened up so many opportunities for me um, in business, um, me personally, spiritually. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet people from all crosses of walks in, in the entire world. So to be recognized as a Hall of Famer would be wonderful. But again, it's not, it's not up to me. Um, they have to go through their process. And if I'm worthy, I'm worthy. You're comfortable with that? I'm comfortable. That's with that. great. That's Because I know I was watching... 
I think it was Moss and Ray Lewis. They were talking, and they were talking about how you belong. Mm-hmm. And then they mentioned you, and I think it's Fred Taylor. Yes. They were talking about the two names that uh-huh. they got. About. And, and when you look at statistically, your uh, average per season yards is what the seventh highest. And there's mm-hmm. five NFL running backs in who are lower than you. So even if it's an argument and a case being made, the yeah. numbers back it up. You know, when yeah, you look at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess if you look at the numbers, you look at a lot of different factors. Um, what else do they look at, though? What other I factors? I don't know what they look at. How much of it is I politics? Like, is it like, you know, do, do you hey. have to bow down to the NFL for them to <laughs> say yes? or? Hey, you know what, man? Uh, I, I, I don't know what, what it is. I, I wish I knew um, what the criteria was or is. Uh, I know that they're trying to um, get a lot of guys in. You're up against a lot of different, not just my position, but you're up against um, guys from the past, and you're mm-hmm. up against guys that are, are coming out this year and are eligible. And it's only like four or five slots, four players. So again, you know, if and when is my time, it'll be my time. Well, we're looking forward to that time yeah, when it comes yeah. because, uh, again, a lot of people believe you belong in there. But uh, let me transition to another part. You know, with uh, uh, one of the things that uh, you're looking at right now with the NFL going on with Jay-Z and mm-hmm. the whole conversation with Kaepernick and yeah. why are you going from the NBA and now you're sitting there talking right next to Roger Godell and there's all this controversy. What are you feeling about the whole thing taking place today? Well, uh, I look at it from both sides from the player side, from the community side, and certainly from Jay-Z's side. Uh, Jay-Z is um, obviously one of the greatest, if not the greatest MCs of all time. He's um, transformed himself. Well, he's probably always been a great businessman, but he's made some great business moves. Uh, Given the situation in the NFL uh, with Colin Kaepernick, he brought light to a situation that really needed um, to be focused on. And I think he did just that. He served his purpose in doing that. He um, being Kaepernick served being his Kaepernick. purpose. Got in it. terms of bringing it to social justice sure. issues. Sure, and, and having a platform to speak from and so forth. Now the question becomes is how do we collectively move forward? Where's the win-win for the NFL? Mm-hmm. And where's the win-win for social justice and players allowing themselves to express themselves in that, in that regard and have freedom of speech and so forth? So I think they're at that point now where they want to move forward to say, okay, we're beyond you know, bringing a light to an issue that we already know what the issue is. What are now the solutions to have guys make a difference, a real difference in our communities when it comes to social injustices and so forth? and the NFL being in, in, uh, in harmony with that so there is no dissension. So somebody can't just hijack that platform and use it for political reasons, which it was used for to begin with. So that's where we were down this road. And I hate the fact that, you know, in our communities, you know, you got some guys that are coming at Jay and Jay has to defend himself you know, and that's not really where the war is. We're all trying to move the needle forward in terms of bringing light to social injustice, not who's right, who's wrong. You shouldn't be doing this with this group because yeah. they're the owners, us against them mentality. Well, the owners, they, they give you your paycheck. So they, why not try to figure out a way to move forward and, and be, I mean, unite and try to come up with solutions versus saying it's us versus them. And I think that's, 
and that's just what he was trying to come across. It, it's in, it's and, in, and he's listen, man. He's a he's an influencer, and people listen to Jay. So there are not many bigger influencers than him in the who, community. Who? So so I, that's what I'm saying. And if 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 it takes for him to say, okay, do you want me to be involved in your halftime shows? Sure. All right. This is what I want to do for the community. I want to move the needle forward. And I think what got got lost was well, what about Colin Kaepernick and a job? Now, you know, do I think that he's been blackballed to some degree or whiteballed, however you want to say it? Yes. You know, um, he did take a settlement. Um, if, I, if, if my memory serves me correctly, I think four different teams reached out to him at that particular time. Mm -hmm. I, I think it may have come down to whether he's going to be a starter or a backup or whatever. He may not have had done this. I, I don't know the, 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 the particulars of that, so I can't really speak intelligently on that. But the opportunities were there. So... The bottom line is, can he still play football, the game of football? Can he, can he be an a, a integral part of a team to help them win and produce wins and touchdowns and all of that? And that's the question that has to be asked in terms of somebody bringing him in. Because bringing in a veteran, that's going to be money. In, in this game, it's, it's a young man's game in every sense of the word. Younger means cheaper labor. Mm, got it. All right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's dollars and cents. So I don't think it's a black and white issue. Because Eric Reed still has a job, and he kneeled right right next to Colin sure. Kaepernick. He's with the Carolina Panthers that's a good right point. now. That's a good point. So you know that's kind of that's kind of how I see. It. Now, from your perspective, for you you've been you you served in our military. How do you see the situation? Uh, I think uh, uh, from the standpoint of what Colin was trying to do, NFL has always been a big pro-military. Yeah. Uh, organization. They just mm -hmm. have been. It's almost like a sponsorship. This is what we represent. You know, this is what we support. NBA's mm -hmm. been slightly different. They all have a little bit of it, but it's been different. So when you do that, and the biggest, you know, message you're giving is to veterans, we stand for them. The veteran community is a little bit upset by it. They're offended by it. And their interpretation now, Colin may come back and explain and say, hey, I don't think this is the case. This is not what I was doing. I was not trying to right, disrespect that. that, which is fine. Yeah. But then he goes to Miami tryouts and he's wearing a Castro then it's yeah. a shot at the Cuban community, and you know you're in Miami. So someone then you wear some stuff with pigs, and you know there there is limits to it. And mm -hmm. so if you're if you're poking at it, like let's just say I run a company, and and people come to me and they say, hey, we don't think this company is uh, equal opportunity for women as it is as it is for men. Okay, what's the mm -hmm. first thing you're gonna do? Maybe you're gonna take a look at it. Mm -hmm. Let me see if we got the opportunity, and then from there you make adjustments. But if it's constant and adjustments are being made. I, I don't know. So I don't, I don't just think he's going only after the fact that he doesn't feel his community has it. He took shots at, uh, you know, at the uh, uh, Cuban community. He took shots at a lot of people. And, yeah. and you going back to saying, talking about Reed, Reed still got a job today. Yeah, And I does. think what, what Stephen A. Smith said, I'm curious to know what you say about this. Stephen A. Smith said, there is this notion that the moment a Jay-Z... Uh, uh, has to make a decision like this with a Roger Godel, you're selling out to the white man to move up, you know? There's some of that taking place. I'm Middle Eastern, I'm from Iran, I wasn't born here. I mm -hmm. was an immigrant when I, uh, uh, 10 years old, we went to Germany, I lived at a refugee camp and I came here. There's a little bit of that in the Middle Eastern community to say, hey, uh, you sold out to the uh, uh, white man to move up in the business world. Let's just say they say that to me. Mm -hmm. So partly I'm looking at Jay and I'm saying, listen, this is a guy that's, his entire career, his entire, everything he's done, it's about giving back. Why are you, it's your prophecy is being fulfilled. Part of us, we spent so many years trying to get into the room where the decisions happen. 
We finally get into the room. Now he has a, a chance to be a, a, to get a seat at the table. You know, there isn't a lot of diversity with among among the owners of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. I don't think there are any there aren't any African American owners in the NFL. So in some respects, you almost have to applaud him for even attempting. Even if I think it's rumors that they're floated around the NFL around this about him being an owner and so forth. I, I don't know, but. If that were the case, you want somebody that looks like you that can represent you. So when cases like this come up, there's a point of reference. You have somebody that can can represent that to some degree. So to say that he's selling out, I, I, I don't know. At some point, but how do you move the needle along if you don't have the other person involved? It's always going to be dissension. I'm more about, okay, we've had an issue. Let's solve the issue. Now, how does everybody win? How do we move forward so everybody feels like they're going to win? You know, so that's that's where I'm the notion of. Do you do you see something on how this is this needs to happen for everybody to feel like uh, th- there's a compromise, there's a collaboration where it worked for everybody, everybody, every, everybody in the party. Well, you're wants. not going to satisfy everybody. You're not going. You're to. not so going you, to. That's what I'm saying. It's so, just not going to happen. Yeah. But I think in, in in terms of understanding that the NFL is not going anywhere. It's not. They're not going to shut the NFL down. It's next man up. And you saw the Cowboys. The valuation just showed up. 5.5. Yeah, 5. 5. So it's not like it's going down. Yeah, in the billion. world. It's exactly. not going nowhere. So no. what are you going to do? Continue to fight that? Or say, okay, we want our voices to be heard. We want our issues to be heard. How do we do it that's in concert with everybody else here? We, we, the, the, listen, we brought light to the issue in one respect. Now, how do we move forward from that? Or do we continue to still fight and continue to, uh, you know, boycott the NFL, not watch games? That didn't have that had zero effect on the NFL. You know, from some friends that said they don't watch the NFL because of this or that, teach his own, but it had zero effect on their bottom line. In fact, it increased. Yeah, the you know, with streaming yeah, and, yeah, and now with gambling and exactly. there's different exactly. revenue streams that are being created. It's the it's the number one the number one American sport. Right. You know, so I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, again, I, I feel like there's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to really find a platform and create a platform where everybody wins. And that's where I stand. Yeah. It's kind of, so you think Jay-Z being an owner of a football team, NFL team, would be a good thing? I don't see why it wouldn't. Okay. I, don't, I really don't. Do you see that happening anytime soon? I mean, I don't. Listen, I know he's a billionaire. But these guys that have these teams, these teams are their hobbies. <laughs> their, core, exactly. their core business exactly. is energy. It's, exactly. it's, it's private equity. You know? No doubt about it. Yeah. But like a Magic, you know, Magic doesn't own 50% of the Dodgers. Right. You know, he's, he's kind of the, he you go there, chips. he's yeah, got he, some yeah, chips he, in there, yeah, but he's going yeah. out there with, you know, yeah. he partnering up some with points them. In it? Yeah. So I see, I see Jay-Z being able to do something like that, uh-huh. and it'd be interesting. You know, he's already doing some stuff on the other side. Yeah, but he did. He was with the Brooklyn Nets yeah. for a while. Um, now, you know, he, he's uh, really gotten befriended uh, a craft. I only can see it from a distance. I'm not, I don't know it intimately um, in terms of, of, of doing things together. So... It's about coming together and, and pushing it forward. I, it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. One of the things I like about Stephen A. is uh, he will make the case for both sides, even if he disagrees. 
with yeah, his size. He'll make yeah, the case. I, agree. So I, I totally like that agree. there's a voice like him yeah. out there to keep pushing everybody. Yeah, I think he's yeah. good for. But uh, we're all uh, in the same. But we're all trying to get progress. to the same, yeah. the finish line. But we're doing it different ways. Exactly. There is no yeah. right or wrong way. Right. E exactly. So as long as people are seeing the progress taking mm -hmm. place, it's good. You know, uh, uh, one of the things I'm, I'm curious to ask you is. Um, Kenny Smith, I don't know if you, uh, Kenny Smith, NBA, yeah. one time uh, the Miami Heat is playing against Indiana Pacers, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, the, the Pacers are up a point and, you know, Coach Vogel takes out the center at the time, Hibbert. If you remember Hibbert, uh, tall, 7'2", 7'3", 7'4", guy. He takes him out and everybody's saying, wait a minute, what are you doing here taking him out? He's been playing good defense against LeBron. He takes him out. They pass the ball to LeBron, free throw. He turns around, goes, uh, makes a layup with his left hand. They win the game. The mm. game ends, okay? Mm. <laughs> Kenny Smith says the following. I, gotta, I think you kind of know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Kenny Smith asks a question. He asks this question. He says, uh, so everybody's like, well, you know, I hope they come back next year, and I feel good about Indiana because of the direction they're going with Paul George, and these guys are kind of coming together, et cetera, et cetera. And Kenny said, I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree. He says, what do you mean? He says, look. When Jordan retired, there was a two-year window to win a title, and we pulled it off, and Chuck didn't. Obviously, that, those yeah, two years, yeah. Houston took it, and he was part of the team, and Chuck wasn't. He says, I don't know if the NBA plays like that right now. Mm. When you get your chance, you got to do it. So let me go back. You know where I'm going with this. You're Super Bowl, okay? You guys make the comeback. McNair is doing his part. Good second half. You're there, I think you're on the 10-yard line, 9-yard line, I don't know exactly where it was, you're on the 10-yard line. And you played a hell, of a hell of a game. I think you got 28 carries, if I'm correct, 95 yards, you got two touchdowns, you got uh, 35 yards uh, uh, receiving zero fumbles, you're having a good game, okay? Mm -hmm. On the other side, Warner's throwing another 400-yard game in a you know, Super Bowl, he's the only guy that's thrown three 400-yard games in Super Bowl, yeah, some insane stats. So then that play takes place. They call it the longest yard, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Similar thing happened with, uh, what do you call it, with uh, Marshawn Lynch, mm -hmm. with Seattle, was going up against New England, I believe. Yeah. But they were two-yard line. You were on the 10-yard line. Mm -hmm. Looking back, do you ever, everybody experiences loss. Some of us is business, some of us is marriage, some of mm -hmm. us is health, some of us is a mistake, cost the life of somebody, a mistake somebody got into. Everybody has something that they look at. None of us are free of it. It happens to be yours was a little bit more public than everybody else, and the ball wasn't even in your hands, and Dyson still got nine yards on it. Do you ever look at that and say, what if we ran a different play? Do you ever process it that way for yourself? No. You don't? At all, no. Oh, got it. Now, well, let me ask you, when you look at when Seattle went against New England, do you ever look at it and say, that was two yards? Why don't you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch? And they had a timeout. Yeah, and they couldn't stop him. And it wasn't seven points. You guys were seven points that you were behind. I think yours was 23 to... We would, we would have tied the game, had an opportunity to tie the game with an extra point mm -hmm. uh, made. Um, I don't look at it in terms of us, no. I, I, don't think, I think we had the right call. Um, you, you, you had the right call. We had the right, right call. At, Kevin was supposed to take one more yard on to sell it a little bit more, but Mike Jones made it one hell of a play and came underneath it and made the tackle, and, and everybody still remembers Super Bowl 34. Um, but in terms of Marshawn Lynch, I was a little um, uh, perplexed by that call, given that, okay, on the field, 
it says, yes, we should have thrown the football because they had the numbers in the box mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. had single covers. They had exactly what they were looking yeah. for. And Malcolm Butler made a hell of a play. But in terms of will, we go back to the position of the running back and you still got a timeout and you got beast mode back there. I'm gonna put my money on beast mode at the one yard line with all the chips on the line to get me my winning touchdown to solidify my second Super Bowl win. That's what I'm gonna put my money on. You know, I, I, I believe his will to win will get me that win versus saying, okay, the numbers suggest that we should go to the passing game based off of what we see out of this defensive look. So uh, that's what I would have done. But, you know, that's why I'm at home, <laughs> not how, coaching. How, how do you, how does, how does it feel, like game is over, you go to the locker room, Jeff, what is he telling you guys? In that moment, well, what do you say you to you guys? can't say much. Is it like a, a short conversation and you just kind of go move on and you let everybody go home? What is that conversation like? It's really no conversation. It's more of just being there to console one another and to embrace one another and to say, man, I'm proud of you and to kind of decompress. I mean, it's not much you can say. We all knew what it was. We all knew we fought hard. We all knew we came in within one yard of, of, of holding up um, or possibly holding up a, a Lombardi trophy. Um, but it wasn't anything that it, we could do anything about. It's not like go win for the Gipper next year. Mm -hmm. I think once the dust settled for me, um, I was ready to go back to work. I was inspired. You were inspired? Oh, yeah. I, and I you had a hell of a season then. You had yeah, 16 touchdowns, yeah. you had 1,500 yards. I think you got eight votes for MVP that year. Marshall, Marshall well, Falk took it. Oh, that, that was, was a foul. So 2000. you came back after that. Yeah, I came back got after it. that. Yeah. So it wasn't the best season you had the Super Bowl nah, year. Nah, that it was, was a following year. So you came back this year to prove a point. To, to prove a point. We I had the best that. record in the league. 13-3. 13-3 yeah. and lost against Baltimore in yeah. the uh, divisional round in Tennessee. <laughs> and that was a different story. <laughs> that was a different story. Yeah, but, but it's part of the game, you know. It, it, and, and the reason why I ask this question is because in the business world, Eddie, if I tell you a couple of the deals I've done where you're like, oh, my gosh, how did this go? How did I oh, not I see this? I, what if we could have done this? I think sometimes, you know, when it happens to some people, they think it's the, they're the only person that goes through it. Listen, man, you're going to get your ass kicked on the football field. You'll get your ass kicked in the field of business. And I, I know what it is to get my ass kicked in the football field and in business. So we speak the same language. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, when, when you went to uh, Kellogg, how was that for you? How was that oh, experience? Oh, man. It was, um, it was tough, but I, I, I relished in the fact that I wanted to be comfortable in being uncomfortable. Because that's the reason why I went, was to learn about finance, to learn about different business practices, to learn how I could take my business to the next level, you know, from being a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand to a million, a million to billions, you know, uh, to realize that, hell, you know what, maybe this core business is not really what I need to do. Maybe I need to do a, do a pivot and do something else, something that really supports my network, my knowledge, uh, the things I have access to mm -hmm. and really build an enterprise. And that was that was uh, a very tough situation because it was um, some things I didn't just didn't know. I, I, I had to take accounting classes, I had to take finance classes before I even went to Kellogg. I had to go to Belmont University 
before you went before to Kellogg. I went to Kellogg to prove that I could handle the load. And here's here's coming yeah. from a guy where you're kind of a, you were earlier embarrassed to tell your SAT score. Yes. And you're going to Kellogg. You're going to Kellogg. Exactly. So it was it purely an effort thing back in the days versus then you it put the effort? It was all effort, man. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I tell my son like that all the time. Some school comes easy to most. Yeah. But I was a grinder. And I didn't want to grind back then on the education side. But I realized that for me to have more opportunities and really for me to grow and become the businessman that I wanted to reach my full potential, mm -hmm. this is what I needed to mm -hmm. go through. Some people are different. Hove is, he didn't have, to, his MBA was in the streets. His MBA was in, 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 in rap, in, in the rap game and in, in, in records and all of that. And that's how he became the billionaire that he is. My road is a little different. I got to go to school. You know, there's some things I got to learn. Was it constant yeah. case studies at Kellogg? Oh, it case study it. after case study loved after it. case study? Loved it. Loved those it. are the best. I still love it. Yeah, those are the best. When you, get, when you have a chance to get a case study, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a nerd like that. And you get the paper, you kind of go through it. So you enjoy, you enjoy the case studies? You get the, yeah, you get the case study, then you, you take out the numbers. If it's a finance case study, you extract the numbers, you look at it, you say, what could they have done differently here? Where are they losing money? Yeah. You look at the contracts, you get the, the, the minutiae of it. And that's, that's where the learning happens. And then you have some guy that's from India who's in the banking industry or in, or in, um, in banking or finance or engineer, engineer, whatever. Yeah. And they talk about that same issue that they had and how they solved it, you know, or didn't solve it. And it's like, wow, this is really good stuff. And then the real part of the education is afterwards, when you go out into the hallways and you eat together and you're talking, you build relationships and you create synergies, mm. and you're talking about ideas yeah. and, and you're putting projects together. So that, that to me was a priceless experience that I paid for out of my pocket. That's, so, that's for, yeah. And how old were you when you went to that? I was uh, 30. Four, thirty-four, thirty-five. This is so you're going to acting school and you're going to Kellogg. Oh yeah, I was doing the simultaneous. Listen, man, my my story. You, so you're nonstop. This was you. both. I was listen. I, my schedule. That's impressive, Eddie. I mean, I, I thought I thought Kellogg was post post like recent. You no, went no, I graduated in two thousand nine. Yeah, God. yeah. So, so when so, you left NFL and you're doing acting for you said ten years. You you you, you did I a couple was years acting during the week. Yeah, commentating on the weekends. Flying from L.A., going from Nashville to L.A., L.A. to Chicago, back to Nashville. My wife was on the show Survivor, so she's gone. My son is three years old at that particular time, my youngest. So it's a lot. My family is, I was all over the place, man, trying to figure it out and have a career and commentating. Maybe I spread myself too thin as well. I'm not on TV anymore with that. But... You know, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience to do it because now I'm expanding by consolidating, you know, in terms Expanding of, by consolidating. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, but why acting? What, like, was it a, when you were a you kid know, when you were looking at, you know, um, well, actors? I was, well, I was commentating and I wanted to be, part of the reason I, was, I wanted to be a commentator, a better commentator. And I felt like acting was a way for me to, to do that. But acting is... Not therapy, it's therapeutic, it's cathartic. So at that particular time, when I left the game of football, there was a lot of emotions. Tell me what you mean by that. There were, it was a dark period for me in terms of who I was, what I was gonna do next, and how I was gonna get there. Really figuring out what the hell I was gonna do next. Is it, Eddie, is this a part of where kind of like, uh, 
you know, a buddy of mine gets out of the military. Oh, and he says, true. dude, I have no idea what the hell to do afterwards. No I'm going from military to civilian. I'm lost. He was going through depression. He was going through anxiety. He didn't know how to make the adjustment. He's like, I have no idea what the hell to do. And it was, he was in his 30s as well. Is it similar to it's, go it's, from it's, that it's not, world? It's exactly that. To go from preparing to play in front of thousands and thousands of people, 60,000, 40,000, 100,000 fans every week and chanting your name or booing against you, to now silence in your house with your wife, your kids, seeing her every day. She's used to you being gone. That's a whole new dynamic on the relationship now. So how do you, who are you? And what's going to bring you peace? So I want to go back to the things that brought me peace. Clubs, you know, uh, hanging out late. Um, that, those things, playing cards, gambling, traveling. That was, all the, that was all a part of who I was. So long story short, I had to really seek out, I, had to, I went to counseling for that to help me say, okay, I need some help here. What's going on? How do I address this? There's no book written on it. There's no resources really about it up at that particular time in 2005. Now the NFL has like people you can call on and, and counseling sessions that you can go to, which is phenomenal. And I recommend that for anybody coming out uh, of professional sports to say, okay, this is what I have. This is what I've done. What do I do with this next? I have money. I have some notoriety. But where's my passion at now? Where's my next playing field? Is it in business? Is it in commentating? Is it in, in, in uh, my philanthropic efforts? Where, where is it? So I had to go through all that, and I continue to go through that. I continue to go to counseling. I continue to seek therapy. How long was that? How long? Oh, was it's never ending. It's not five okay. sessions, and I'm good. You know, I check in every so often. You know, it's still it's still on point with that. But back to your original question was, why acting? That's why acting, because I was able to take a lot of those feelings that I talked about got it and filter that through the voice mm -hmm. of a character filter that out through my writing and the process of acting is telling the truth in imaginary circumstances it's stripping away all the bullshit all the personalities of the football player the celebrity the the athlete the the superstar the dad and get to the core of who I am and be able to say, okay, here's a part. Let me tell the truth through this part and bring healing and light in that regard. So I'm taking what I had and using it for good so it doesn't destroy me. Who were your teachers, by the way, when you were going oh, through it? It was uh, Anna Maria Franzella, who, God bless her soul, is no longer with us. She died about two years ago. Uh, Jeff Obafemi Carr. Um, currently working with a guy named Robert Kiefer and Stella Reed in Nashville, Tennessee, um, as my acting coaches, voice coaches. I, I'm doing it, all of it, because you know, again, the the the, the whole idea and the whole the, the exercises of acting is just telling stories, is telling your story and being a great communicator in that. So it doesn't matter what form it is; it can be a podcast. I could be on the boards of a stage. I can be in front of a camera. I can, uh, you know, be on a desk uh, at ESPN commentating. Mm. It, it supports all of that. It's, it's the training of it. So, it. so you can get to the core of your truth and 
and and and and tell that in an honest way, not filter it or act it out or premeditate certain situations. Be be really honest in the moment, and be in the moment. Was there any advice that you got? You know, your acting is reacting all the stuff that you hear about. You know, and uh, you, you, you know, there is try to say I love you in fifty different ways. I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, all these. Uh, is there? Anything that stuck with you in acting where it was like these three advice that I got was the best thing I heard from somebody Anything that stays with you three words tell the truth If you can find the truth in the material of the character and be honest with the truth of that within yourself mm -hmm. it's tell the truth inflection voice inflection pitch uh, pace the powerful pause voice all of that that supports the truth. If you get into technique, then you're a technician. But if you're a truth teller and you work on the components of the voice, the pitch, all of that to help you tell the truth, then it'll be expressed that way. But always get to the core of telling the truth and be honest and open about it and be vulnerable. The, the, like, the, the characters that scare me the most are the ones that have to be vulnerable. I mean, really emotionally vulnerable. I, I played some some different characters that I had to go there, and I had to be honest with it. You know, like, well, on this on this line, I'm gonna cry here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah, it don't work that way. It don't work that nah, way. Nah, there I could be doing delivering a monologue, and it was one night I just did Top Dog Underdog this past year, and it was this one scene where I'm talking about. Um, why they leave us. These two brothers, both parents left them and they were offending for themselves as teenagers and now they have this dysfunctional relationship and uh, they live in this apartment together and he comes in, my character comes in drunk, uh, just lost his job and the brothers set up this, this, this the table and he's having his girlfriend come over and he's really decked out the apartment and so forth. He has the family album out. And I'm going around the, the room looking at the different stuff. There's the blind and the glasses. I pick up the family album, scope it through it. And I'm mm -hmm. talking about the good old days. And I finally get to a point where, why they leave us. And then as I'm saying this monologue, talking about the food on the table and uh, this and that, I started having images of my own life, my father not being there in my life. And I got so emotional in that that it choked me up to the point where I forgot my lines and <laughs> I forgot where I was <laughs> because th that's the beauty of theater. And to the audience, it resonated as, I guess, a real moment. For me, it was like, oh shit, I don't know my lines, but I'm, I'm really honest here. Am I, wow, I'm wide I got open. it, you see yeah, what I'm saying? of course. So that's, and it, it, and it was a healing moment for me because that was suppressed probably in me and I really didn't realize it. So that's why, I love acting. So do you, do you think acting is somewhat therapeutic? It's therapeutic, but it's not therapy. There's a difference. I think it, it allows you to rid yourself of potentially uh, things that can be toxic to you in terms of your thinking, emotions, experiences, uh, uh, tra uh, traumatic experiences. Um, that are packed down and that can affect you at any point in time. It can come up in your physical life. It can come up in your emotional life. It can affect your spiritual life. It can really affect your the way you think, the way you hope, your faith, and all of that. So, I, you know, I seek to be clear 
on a lot of levels. And it, again, it's, it's not about going to one or two lessons or five lessons and 12 steps. It's a lifelong journey, mm. you know what I mean? That's interesting. Yeah. Very cool. I'm a movie guy, and mm. I love watching you know, guys acting, how they get into their part, like, oh my gosh, I was sick. Yeah. For you, is there anybody that's an aspiration, you know, somebody you look up to and say, this guy's acting's incredible? Oh, there's several. Uh, Viola Davis. Denzel's Denzel. He's just a beast. But Viola Davis brings just this, this powerful, this quiet character where she is acting without talking in her body language, in her face, the, what she does with her hands. It's just so brilliant and moving and uh, such a joy to look, watch, watch it unfold live. Um, Samuel Jackson, you know, I'm looking at a master class on him. You know, when I'm not acting on stage, I'm studying. What, what did you take away from it? I mean, I didn't take the class, Just, but what did you take away well, from it? Well, the process. You know, he talks about character. He talks about backstory, um, the importance of doing your homework, you know, knowing who the character is, where he's coming from, what he wants, how he's going to get it, and what he's going to do when he gets it, you know. Um, he talks about the physicality of different characters. So you have a, a broken leg or you have a deficiency. How do you feel about that deficiency? Or how, how, how else, if you're, if you're handicapped, how else are you strong? Where are you strong at mentally? You know, Rich III, to me, I had an opportunity to uh, do a reading of that. That's a, that, that's a mm. role that I want to play because he's twisted in his mind. You know, he can't do anything physically, but in terms of, of being a mastermind. But Richard is, is just a, a wonderful character I would love to explore because on the surface it appears that he's evil, but in, under, underneath all that evil there is a purpose, there's a reason why he thinks, he thinks and is justified why he's doing what he's mm. doing. And there, there's a human being that you can fall in love with. So that's the challenge that I, I see with Richard. But all of that, he just talks about the importance of going to your backstory and writing out that backstory, mm. even if one is not provided for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy right here, Heath Ledger, man. I mean, he's oh, uh, one of the greats, man. Oh my God! Gosh. God bless his soul. <coughs> do you do, do you remember what Jack Nicholson told him that he said the, the advice he gave: never play Joker, because that part completely messes with with your mind. The deeper you get into it, did you ever I hear can, about I that heard story? About that. Yeah. It's no, it's no bullshit, man. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you play these dark roles, you know. It, you got to really listen, man. You, you think it's all fun and games? Oh, it's only acting. He's just acting. Nah, I mean, he, the, the real dudes like like him, Leisure, and you take on that stuff. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm you. The 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 power is in the tongue. What you speak will come to life, whether it's good or bad. That's the part about taking some of these Exactly. Roles. So you have to have a process like, okay, if I'm doing this, I need to be protected spiritually, emotionally, physically. It needs to be a process. Okay, once I come out of this role, what is going to be now my process to get up out of this role in a healthy way? Not through to come out of to this come out of, to come out of that right to come out of that consciousness that thought process isn't isn't it that you know uh, 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 acting where some stay like Daniel Day Lewis he doesn't come out Jared Little you know he stays yeah and they stay in and then some, some go in and come out so there was no to me is no written book on it it's it's your process 
and what's healthy for you. Um, there are times when I got when I've done plays where I'm dreaming about the words because mm. I'm so immersed in it. And if it's dark, you know, it can affect you in that way. So you you gotta have something to come back to ground you, whether it's a crystal or uh, incense or your pictures of your family to say, oh, "This is me. I'm Eddie. I'm not Richard the Third. This is Eddie. I'm not Richard, you know." So it's it's. Do it's they teach you that different. in acting school? Do they teach well, you like some of the roles my, you got to come my, back? Or? My acting coach uh, would would strongly suggest that have something to uh, to keep you grounded. So I tell you, I, I tell you a funny story here. Maybe it's not a funny story. Aaron Spicer. I don't know if you know Aaron Spicer. Mm -hmm. He's the acting coach to Will Smith, J Lo, and a lot of these guys. I'm living in L.A. Twenty some years, right? Mm -hmm. My wife gets me a gift to meet with Aaron Spicer. So I got you a session. You're going to go meet with Aaron Spicer. Wow, I said, nice. That's a nice gift, right? So I go, uh -huh. and she says, I'm going to go with you. So I go, and I said, look, I've always been curious about acting. I'm curious to know mm -hmm. what he's going to say. And he asked me this question. He says, you sure you want to uh, possibly pursue acting? I said, you know, I'm just curious. I want to learn more about it. I've always, you know, as a kid, I would do videos, and we would mm -hmm. act and do all this stuff. He said, uh, how well do you do with downtime? I said, what do you, what do you mean by that? He says, he looks at my wife, he says, how, how well does he do with downtime? He says, not good, he's terrible with downtime. He says, it may not be for you. I said, tell me more. He says, because in that world, yeah. there's a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. It's different if you're paying to fund the movies, but the downtime part of it, to keep your sanity together, you lose it. So if you can't control downtime, you may not want to pursue, you may not want to uh, uh, pursue this career as an actor. How do you handle downtime for yourself now? that you don't have, mm -hmm. you know, when you're NFL, you're eight, nine months out of the year, yeah. you're training, you're all this stuff, how are you handling downtime? Downtime for me is kind of full-time because there's the entrepreneurial side of it. You know, there's the entertainment, entrepreneurship, and education. Those are the three buckets that I operate out of, my three E's. Entrepreneurship. Education. Education, entertainment. Entertainment. Got it. So we cover the entertainment part. So when I'm not on stage, I'm developing my business which is my wealth management business, where I got my Series 7, 66. Eddie, you got your Series 7? Oh, yeah. Seriously? I've been in the business for three years. Three Get out of here. Yeah. Who are you with? The First Financial Equity Corp. That's okay. my broker-dealer. I'm doing business as the Edward George Wealth Management Group. Very familiar with them. I start off yeah. with Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. No, day not, before not Edward Jones. Not Edward Jones. Edward George. That's Edward my name. George. Yeah. I, I said yeah, Edward yeah, 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 Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Edward George like Wealth Management Group. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you're 766. To Health, life, yep. Fully licensed and um, been doing it for going on three and a half years now. Who do you target? Is it is a lot of NFL um, players or is it nah, everybody? No, nah, I'm, I'm wide open. I'm, I'm doing corporations, uh, high net worth individuals. Eyelids, are you doing eyelids? You know, um, individual living uh, trust, where you're setting we, we up can, with the policies, yeah, but not, the insurance policies. Yeah, we policies. can do insurance policies and so forth. But, but mainly just doing the, uh, the equity side of it. Um, How'd you get into that? What, what made you want to go well, into that? Well, uh, after, um, by the way, I had. Does anybody know? Is this a pretty public info I, I, or no? I would think it's to have a website and everything. I've but are you promoting it. it that you're doing wealth management uh, yeah, or not? Yeah, I have. Uh huh. Yeah. Damn. So I mean, I've been doing it simultaneously with my acting. When I'm not on stage, I was studying for my Series Seven. <laughs> how are you, How are you prospecting uh, uh, for clients? What's your approach? Well, my, especially somebody with your uh, level. You know, your Eddie mm -hmm. George NFL football my approach is through the education piece my approach I've been teaching in Ohio State the business of professional sports 
over the last five years. And it's talking about my experiences using um, my network of people from agents, financial advisors that make up the business. And we talk about the makeup of the business of kids who understand what life is like as an NFL player or NBA player. That what you see on television as $100 million is really not $100 million. And we break it down through case study method. Okay. Got so it. And, and, that and you're way, doing this with collegiate athletes? Doing it with, with, with students. It's just not just collegiate athletes. I've, done it. It. I've okay. done it with uh, a school this past year, um, just the athletes. But mainly, that's how I want to be able to educate to build my credibility within that industry. I already have some clients uh, that I'm working with, but I'm not just targeting athletes. I'm targeting any individual that, that needs help in that area. You know, I'm more, I'm more about the relationship of how, what can I do for you? How can I be of service to you? Because I'm not going to get everybody. Are you not teaming up with somebody? Or oh, is yeah. It, oh, I'm so not, you it's got not it. just me. Oh, I'm not, got it. Okay, so I'm you not got sitting it. at a desk trading all day. I got it. Let's be clear. So you bring it in. Somebody writes it a split. Maybe we yeah. control the money under management. To get, I fully. So there's a team that there's you got. There's a team. I have two it. other partners that I, I work with. So let me, let me clarify that. So yeah. it's just not me you know, say, oh, let me be a financial advisor today. No, it's, it's very thoughtful and, and thought out. I've teamed up with my, my personal financial advisor for well over 20 years, uh, Mr. Greg Eastman, based on- No a, better way of know, doing it. If you know somebody exactly, 20 years, you trust them, that's exactly, a good partner. Exactly, and that's, and that's a great partner for me. So um, it, it gives me the flexibility to do when I'm the right projects on stage or in film, and I can carry my business wherever, everywhere with me, where I go. My laptop. This is so my impressive, Eddie. I mean, I mean, hey, it's, and hey, we can create synergies. We can do it because. How many other yeah. guys you know that are doing Series Seven? Like how many NFL guys? I know Antoine Walker and mm -hmm. I sat down, and he was doing a partnership with Morgan Stanley Dean Woodard to go talk to right. the athletes to help them out because you know the whole 110 million dollars that he lost, and he's talking about it openly. Yeah. So he has a different approach, but he's not seven. Going now, out there. My thing is, I just didn't want to be a face of anything. You get a lot of these companies out here that offer you, hey, hey, you don't have to do all, you know, don't, don't do all the work. You don't have to do much. You know, um, all we want you to do is just go say, this is a great opportunity, talk to this guy, and we'll give you a check or $500 or $1,000, whatever that is, for, for referral fee. Why get that when I can get a piece of the pie? Good for you. And compound over time. No doubt about it. No when all I have it. to do is sit my ass down and get an, study for an exam. A and six and a half hour six exam. Six and a half hour exam, which is a beast. It's a bear. Took it twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course. So I passed the burning sands of that. So now I want to get rewarded for a lifetime, just versus just put my being an endorser or something. I, th that's cool for some, but if I seek the real ownership, and I, if I really want to do this, then I'm going to do it. And I've done just that, both in as an athlete, as an actor, and now as a wealth manager. That you're, you're a renaissance man, Eddie. I mean, you I listen, mean, you, man. You can you gotta, label it that. I, I just, I just your call business it. card's got to say Eddie George, renaissance man. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? All the different things you're talking about. Yeah. That's a wide range. And then, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Taj, SWV, mm -hmm. you know, I was playing her music earlier. Where are you guys, really? Do you what know song? who what she song? is? 
uh, weak, I get no, weak in the weak, legs, yeah. but then there's yeah, a yeah. one, it wasn't one of them in, uh, what was that one movie she was in, uh, was she in Boys Anything. in the Hood? No, Boys in the Hood it was, was Above it? the Rim. Above the Rim, yeah, Above the Rim, which yeah, was, uh, stuff. when it came out, it was, uh, it was a good movie. <coughs> she was in Above the Rim as well, mm -hmm. I think the music was in Above the Rim with, uh, was it White, no, Wu-Tang was the one song she did with, uh, 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 Wu-Tang was in anything, the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah anything, I think it's anything, yeah. yeah. So, so what's next for you, man? What, what mm. are some projects you're working on right now? Right now, um, I'm uh, obviously working on the wealth management side, still prospecting clients, building relationships. Um, I have my uh, jersey retirement, they retire my jersey, September the 15th. Uh, opening game, home opener against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, myself and Steve McNair. And that week, uh, we have a bunch of events. One event's gonna be on the 12th with myself and um, a, for a former enemy of mine, uh, Mr. Ray Lewis, uh, called uh, Cocktails, Conversations, and Cigars, um, where you know Ray and I have a very unique relationship. We go way back to 1996. We both came out of college. Our, our friendship started there, became frenemies while we played because we had such awesome but yet painful wars he's clearly in my mind you know one of the top five players to ever play football ever because of ever ever you're not even the same position no nah, no no he, he he transcends that because he was a quarterback on the field and I've seen him do things on the field you're like oh my god on film you know this team I segue a little bit. I got. I got to talk about it. His teams. His teams early in his career were so bad, they were a laughing joke. But you will always see fifty-two around the football, regardless. There was this one play where this running back ran like sixty yards downfield. They're already losing like by three touchdowns, Baltimore. He runs his ass down on the sideline and catches him on an angle. And this guy's got speed. I can't remember the running back's name. So there's no quitting him. There was none of that. So you're dealing with the alpha, alpha male in that. And we've developed a strong relationship. So we're going to talk about our war stories, playing football, but we're going to talk about what we're doing now. Ray has a lot of different interests. He has a huge heart. Uh, he's a giving man. Um, has, a, he's a, uh, has the entrepreneurial spirit, and we're going to talk about some of the things that we're going to collaborate on, some things that we're doing individually, um, and really try to enlighten, entertain, and educate the audience. And hopefully we can make this into something that you can see on television or do around the country uh, for different speaking engagements, uh, different corporations, you know, in terms of leadership. There's some great things that we can bring to the table in terms of leadership for mm -hmm. for for businessmen and so forth. Oh, you guys are thinking about taking it that route. Absolutely. I fully see Why that, not? Be, that Why taking not? place, of course. Why not? And this is just one yeah. that we're gonna do and sell it in the celebratory environment of, of my my jersey getting retired. That's that's incredible, man. I'm excited yeah. for you, man. I'm yeah, excited man. when when we get the news and ESPN or Stephen A or <laughs> somebody announces that I'm gonna say we talked about this, man, when you know, we said you belong in the in the in the Hall of Fame. Well, I but, appreciate uh, it, Eddie. I gotta tell you, man, I, it felt like five minutes. I, I I'm getting signals because I know you got to get to your flight yeah, as well. Yeah. I appreciate you flying out here to Dallas. Hey, man, let's to do, do it this. again, man. I am let's do a part two to this. To it. I'm definitely Absolutely, looking forward man. to it, brother. Blessings, thanks man. for coming out. Absolutely, thanks appreciate for you. All right. 
Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick B. David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.